0: First sponsor of the podcast today is Clocks and Colors. Clocks and Colors is handcrafted men's jewelry. They have pendants, chains, rings, bracelets, and apparel. You can check them out at www.clocksandcolors.com. Colors is spelled C-O-L-O-U-R-S. Second sponsor of the podcast today is their sister company, Etta Love. This is Clocks and Colors for Women. They have pendants, rings, bracelets, and earrings. You can check them out at www.etahlove.com. Last sponsor of the podcast today is Manscape. Get yourself a precise trim. Proper manscaping requires precision, engineered tools. Not only does a man's sensitive areas require it, but both hygiene and ergonomics demand it. Out now is the Lawnmower 4.0. This is a top quality shaver. It features an LED spotlight with on-off switch so you can see and you're not going in blind down there. This thing is running at 7,000 RPMs. This thing is waterproof. It also comes with a wireless charger. And today, I want to help you guys out. Right now, you can get 20% off and free shipping with the discount code OSIRIS20 at www.manscaped.com. Com. One last time, that is O S I R I S 2 0. When you check out at www.manscaped.com, let's get on to the podcast. Everyone, welcome back to the Infant Mind Podcast. This is episode 18. Uh, you know what? We're two weeks out from the release of Born of Osiris Angel or Alien. We just got some statistics. We hit number one in rock and metal, we hit number two in the world, all genres. And we just want to say thank you for that. Um, that's our new record, the new Born of Osiris record. You can check that out at bornosiris.com. You know, we got CDs, t shirts, coffee mugs, skateboards, I think. Uh, we got stores for every country, too. So if you're in Australia, there's a store for you. If you're in Europe, there's a store for you. If you're in America, there's a store for you. And we have them all laid out at com. But yeah, seriously, thank you, guys. We're getting ready um, to go on tour in two weeks. Well, a week and a half, right? So uh, going to Chicago on Monday, and we'll start one week of practice. And directly following that, we're performing in Texas. So we have a, a you know... Six six shows across Texas So that's really exciting And because of the response to this record We're just adding more songs off of it to play live You know, I think we had You know, for this first tour with the album being somewhat new We're like, alright, we'll do like You know, we'll do like four or five songs or something But no, now we're adding like six, seven We're just adding more and more And who knows, when we actually do a full-length tour I I just want to play as much as possible, you know um, We'd like to, you know, in a perfect world We play it beginning to end Um, You know, but that's tough. You know, you got an hour-long album. I think it's 55 minutes. So that'd be tough. It'd be one of those things where, um, you know, if we played it for an hour, we'd probably only have time for, you know, 15, 20 more minutes of, of the old song. So it's it's a possibility. I'm not opposed to it. Uh, right now, we're not doing, like, two-plus-hour concerts. We like to keep it between an hour and an hour and a half. So it makes it a little harder to do the full record. But it's something I want to do. And if we felt like the demand was there for a full two-hour show, you know, I'd love to do that. Or even something, you know, I've seen like Between the Buried and Me do things where they'll do one, al- uh, one album and then take a break and then do another something like that or hits like that. So, and that way you'd have less support opening the show. Um, you would just do two sets. So that's another thing that interests me. However, right now, uh, you know, we're just playing, you know, half the album or so. And so, and that's really exciting. And that's because of the success of it, uh, because of you guys liking it and sharing it and streaming it and purchasing it. And all those things, it did really well. You know, it's funny, I don't even know how we track stats anymore, because it used to be back in the day, how many uh, hard copies did you sell? And that would dictate, you know, your placement on tours and opportunities you got. And now it's like half the people stream, half the people just buy the vinyl, and then stream half the people, uh, you know, some people do still buy uh, physical copies. Um, It's just it's crazy. So you know, I don't know how they calculate everything, but it did really well. And so, yeah, I just want to say thank you. Um, as far as my solo music, we'll be announcing that um, in a couple months. So I know it's like, it feels like we're waiting around, but it's basically we just don't want to ride too too close on the the heels of the Born of Osiris release right now. So I want to give Born of Osiris its time. And then when it feels good, you know, uh, a couple months, maybe, maybe slightly less, we'll announce my second solo album. Um, and before we get into questions right now, I have to say, I will be in Chicago practicing for tour next week, and the following week I will be on tour. So there will be a two week break from this podcast, and I apologize for that. But um, it's one of those situations where maybe down the road I would have maybe more of a travel rig, but at the moment we're just really focusing on uh, you know, putting together a really nice set. We haven't played together in, in a year and a half, right? Since uh since COVID. So the focus next week is a little less of the the partying and the hanging out and the, uh, the fun stuff that we would usually do. And it's going to be more of, uh, you know, just tightening things up and making sure we're, you know, a well-oiled machine, you know, because uh, it's easy to do, you know, to be honest, like before COVID we would practice two days before tour, maybe three, right? And we'd roll into tour feeling pretty damn good. But now with, um, you know, a year and a half off of playing music together, Um, we're giving ourselves like seven days. So it's, uh, and I'm excited all these new songs to play. Uh, you know, I'm really, I'm really pumped about that. So yes. So no, no podcast for two weeks. And then right when I get back, we'll resume every Friday as we have been doing. Cool. Let's get into some of your questions. Question one: What if you don't have access to your recording computer? Do you hum out ideas on phone for reference? I want to say twice in my life, and I very specifically remember um, I hummed something into an iPhone. Or you know what? Sorry, I take that back. One time I hummed something into an iPhone, and the other time I actually had a, a a Strat like sitting on the couch next to me, like a Fender Strat or something, and I did like play it on the guitar. So two times I've used an iPhone for reference and that was just to get me to um uh, you know my studio as soon as possible where i where i lay everything down um yeah it's something that i he- i know a lot of vocalists do whether it's a voice memo of lyrics or whether it's um you know a melody that they have in their head um i think it's a bit more common with vocalists um but for me as a multi instrumentalist it's hard to kind of hum out something because when I hear something in my head, it's not just the guitar part. I hear the whole thing, right? I hear the drums. I hear the bass. I hear keys. Uh, I don't really mess with the vocal stuff. That's kind of Ronnie and Joe's. Um, but yeah, so it'd be hard to just hum a, a song in general. I could hum a melody, I think, but for the most part, um, I just, uh, I have a schedule. I'm in the studio weekdays and, um, and sometimes on the weekends during the day. Um, and so just the consistency of my, my, my recording schedule, I don't usually have to resort to the iPhone too much. But uh, hey, if it's something you're doing, good. I hope you enjoy that. You know what I mean? If you can't uh, make a workflow be the workflow that works for everyone. You know, you got to find what works for you in your life, what you're going to stick to. Um, because if you're, uh, if you're consistently able to put ideas into your iPhone, then do that. Um, but uh, yeah, just find what works for you. And if that's it, then uh, yeah, I wish you well with that. What were your influences for writing on the album Angel or Alien? It was um, it was life—the things that were happening. You know, at this time, David was kind of you know stepping out to uh, take a break from touring for a while. Nick came in, uh, who's a great songwriter. Obviously, now he's our guitar player. Um, lots changed since then, obviously, but uh, he stepped in towards the end of that writing process, brought a couple ideas to the table for Simulation. So the reason I bring up Simulation is cuz half this album was was part of the simulation uh, r- recording sessions. Um, and that's important. So I I think to 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 make one note. So Simulation 1 was it came out when you have that. That's Simulation. Simulation 2 was supposed to come out 6 months later ish. And there's two reasons for that. One, we feel that people's attention span are a bit shorter these days or maybe they just don't have an hour to listen to an album, right? Um, and I know we just put out an hour album, so things have changed, but at the time, this was the mindset. If we put out eight songs, they'll listen to each song, and it'll get his moment, to where if we put 16 out, maybe the car ride's only 30 minutes, the day-to-day, they only hear the first half, maybe they listen to the one that's the stars next to them, so the worry sometimes has been that each song won't get its moment if, um, if there's too many of them, right? And, uh, and we put our equal heart into every song. You know, we don't just front load our CDs with the ones we thought we did a good job on and then stick to the shit at the back. You know what I mean? So it's important that every song gets heard. So one thing we felt if we spread them out into eight and eight, you'd get every song get its moment. The second thing is this. When you put out a record for a while, you're like the number one thing people are talking about. No matter how big your band is, you're like even bigger for like six months. Right. Um, which is how it feels right now for us on Angel or Alien. We just feel like everyone's talking about us. Right. It feels good. Um, but that falls off, right? So the goal was simulation A, six months later, when things are slowing down, each song had its moment, we'll do simulation B, hit him with the second eight songs. Um, but it's important to note that, um, we didn't just put the best ones on the first one cause then the second one would have sucked, right? So it wasn't like the songs that didn't go on simulation were the B sides that ended up on Angel or Alien. They were just as good. We was just like, how do we split the best up onto both, Right. So we needed to make sure Simulation A and B were equally as uh, strong. So for that reason, um, and, the re- uh, and you're asking about Angel or Alien, but for that reason, um, that was the time for like half of the record. Um, and then as far as the new stuff on Angel that was made, um, it was just uh, touring with Nick and the simulation and life and things are going really well. Simulation was really well received um and so that was kind of just what was inspiring us at the time is if you're wanting to know like bands that's something you probably won't hear from me like I'm never gonna say like this band inspired me to write this born record um things will inspire me but it's never like a band or an artist and if it is it's something I quickly forget about um and I'm thankful for it but I'm not gonna say this person influenced this just because I would simply forget um uh, but it's just life and experiences and the way we feel and maybe the way our concerts are going sometimes if you feel the energy for a certain style of part or a certain kind of song, whether it's a bouncy song like Empire's Erased or it's like a melodic song like Under the Gun, maybe they're going so well live that that inspires you to write more like that. So it can be our lives, our shows, our fan base, and things like that that really inspire. Um, so, you know, to drag out your question pretty far, you know, I just did um, Life was the influence for Angel or Alien and just the things that were changing around that time and uh, the shows that were happening the new people coming into the band, uh, Nick. Um, yeah, I think that was the influence. Big part of boo is synth. What are your favorite plugins from past albums? Is it all Omnisphere? So I did mention Omnisphere last week. So that's what he's talking about when he mentions Omnisphere. That's one of my favorite synths, um, particularly for like wacky, exciting. Uh, I mean, honestly, it does everything. It really does everything. So I recommend Omnisphere. You're asking me about other synths from previous albums. I forget like what I used for what, but I can shout out things like Exhale. It's a really cool synth. Um, Serum is a really exciting synth. We've used Massive uh, FM uh, FM8. I want to say. I think it's made by same people who make Massive. I might be saying something wrong there, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, you remember when the dubstep sing, thing was blown up? everyone was all about Massive. I'm sure we use that. Um, yeah, Serum, Exhale. Uh, uh, things in context. So damage, um, I have this thing called Sheveni and it's like, pr- uh, primarily voices, but they're like elves and it's really pretty. So I use that a lot. Uh, if you ever hear like a female, uh, could be like an elf from this pro- program called Sheveni. So yeah, those are some, um, honorable mentions. Yeah. It's kind of hard for me to just think of all the sins off the top of my head, but I think that's what five or six. So hopefully that, that helps you. Yeah when did you start playing guitar? And when did you realize you had passion for it? So I like had in a weird way, like, passion for the guitar before I played it or before I had it. So I had an acoustic around the house that was like my dad's, right? Um, and it got to a point where I wasn't really even playing it that much. I wouldn't say that I really, really started on acoustic, like I definitely strummed around on it, but I wouldn't say it was the beginning of like my journey. However, it did make me know that I really wanted to play electric. So for my 10th Um, when I was 10, on Christmas, I received my first guitar. And it's a long story. I've told on the podcast before about getting it. Um, But I knew the second I got it, it's what I wanted. I was enrolled in lessons right away. Um, And so pretty much immediately, so 10 years old, I started playing and pretty much immediately, I knew that's what I wanted to do. I think partially also because like I kind of knew before I even got the guitar, I was like already obsessed with this guitar. You know, to tell part of the story again, like I had uh, made a picture of a a flying V, a black flying V, which is what I wanted. So I even knew the guitar I wanted. And my dad did get me the black flying V um, Epiphone, which was my first guitar. And uh, yeah, so I just had it all in my head before it even happened, you know, and uh, yeah, so 10 years old, and I knew immediately. Next question. Are you nervous about performing live again? Nervous is a a word I don't know how to answer that for. So I have um things that I'm that are on my mind, that we need to focus on, right? Nick's moving the guitar, and so he's previously played bass, right? And so he's been around me a ton, obviously playing the songs with me. He sees a lot of the times what harmony I'm playing, but things that I'm thinking of are like, when we show up on Monday, is he going to play my harmony in some spots? You know what I mean? So really no issues as much as um, things that I'm like, okay, I got to keep an eye out for this. Is he playing my harmony? Okay, now you need to move that up, three frets, whatever, down, whatever. Um, and you ask about nerves. I mean, as far as going on stage, no, I'm excited more than anything, but as far as nerves, it's just how long is it going to take to shake off the, you know, the cobwebs, the rust. Uh, we did give ourselves enough time to do that. So I'm not nervous that will we'll get to show time and not be ready. But uh, if I'm nervous about anything, it's the first like two days of practice. How about that? Next question. Do you schedule your creativity or do you gradually let things build? So it's a tough, it's like a half and half for me. So I do have my schedule of when I'm in the studio and that happens about nine to five, uh, Tuesday through Saturday. Okay. Um, so you could say I schedule it because of that. However, I don't force anything. Right. So if I come in here and, um, I'm not feeling anything, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll go read. Sometimes I'll go lift sometimes I'll go, um, I'll play World of Warcraft. And, um, you know, that, that's a really inspiring game to me, right? Um, and then so I'll do that for an hour and then come back. So as far as schedule, yeah, I have one nine to five Tuesday through Saturday. And then as far as forcing the creativity, no, because if it's not there, it's not there. And um, sometimes I'll write, I'll do a whole solo uh, section. And then sometimes I'll write, three notes to the beginning of a melody that I know that are going to go somewhere, but just won't go there at the moment and I'll stop. So uh, forcing a schedule. Yes. I think that's important. Forcing creativity. No. Next question. Will there ever be a budget priced version of your signature guitar? Um, you know, I, I can never say never. Right. But I do know that, you know, my model starts, I wanna say at twelve or thirteen. It might have gone up a hundred as I think some uh, all the Kiesel models I think had to go up a hundred um, <clears throat> I don't know if you guys know this by the way, but just getting wood anywhere in the world is extremely expensive right now, so construction work has gone up um the cost of wood for a guitar companies gone up, so when you see a Kiesel or someone raising their prices right now um just know that um you know it's there, it's just something that needs to happen. And, and it's So that's why I say we raise the prices on the guitars, right? Okay. Um, but I do know that you can, I'm pretty sure you can get my model stripped bass version for about as cheap as you can get any guitar at Kiesel. So I'm not sure that they would make an exception and go even less because I'm pretty sure I'm near, within striking distance, I want to say, of, of one of their cheaper models. Um, but I will say this, since you're asking, it is, a, it is something that I'm, I'm interested in. Um, and so I will, after this podcast, reach out to Jeff. He's on vacation right now. Um, I will reach out to him and bring it up. I think it's a great idea. Thank you for asking. Um, and yeah, maybe because of you there will be, but uh, I will ask. Why first half of demos didn't make it to Simulation album in the first one? Okay, so they're basically asking how the, 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 the songs that didn't make it on Simulation 1 made it onto this one. Um, and I guess the most important thing for me to say is, we knew that both releases had to be exciting, so we didn't just put the good ones on the first one and then throw the scraps on this one, by the way. So how did we choose? It was hard. Um, we, we, we probably took our favorite, you know, half of the songs um, that we had for both simulations and probably split them right there off the bat, just so both were equally as strong. And then, you know, did the same with the ones that uh, were still ones that we loved but ones that we didn't know would be necessarily the singles right and everyone's v- uh, view of a single is different to the label a single is like what can we market the easiest to us sometimes it's the one with our, my favorite guitar solo in it or his favorite drum part or something like that you know or we think the best melody um and everyone's opinion's different right those are bad examples of what makes a single but you know what i mean just the, it's different people think a single is a different uh is a single for different reasons uh, but basically we split them up what motivates you to work out? Um, so for me, it's obviously physical. Uh, I train, uh, m- you know, martial arts and being on out of shape is terrible when someone's attacking you, when someone's on top of you and you can't breathe or they're attacking you and you can't even defend yourself because you just, you're, you defeated yourself with cardio issues or, uh, um, you know, strength issues. So I do it for that. I do it to, uh, look good. I do it to feel good physically. I do it to feel good mentally. Um, I think one of the biggest things people overlook about physical fitness is the, the mental benefits you get, uh, from it. So for me, um, making my body stronger is, um, just as, um, I'm getting the the mental benefits or potentially just as are more important. Um, with uh, with lifting or with martial arts, you know, you go in there and you have a problem, you know, in your day, something's bothering you, something's getting you down. Those those martial arts and lifting have a way to just really uh, squash kind of the stress, you know, out of out of my day or my life for at least for a short period of time. Next question: favorite three UFC fighters. It's tough. It's really tough. I'm probably gonna give you a lot more than three. I'm gonna go John Jones. Kamal Usman, uh, Israel Adesanya, Francis Ngannou. I love Dustin Poirier. What a what a beast in his in his win against Connor the other day. And it's cool just to see his growth, you know, from losing the first one to winning the second to uh, the second and third one pretty easily. Um, I like Rose Thug Rose. I like uh, Amanda Nunes. Um, Sugar Sean's fun, you know. He puts on the he gives you the attitude, but he also puts on fun, striking performances. And I see him practicing a lot of jujitsu, so I think he's more wound, uh, well-rounded than we probably give him credit for. Uh, yeah, so I just gave you a ton right there. I know it was more than three, but it's I can't pick three honestly. It changes it. And then if you were talking old school, like Anderson Silva was always one of my favorite fighters to watch. Like him in his prime, those those knockouts uh, were some of the most exciting fights I've ever seen in my life. George St. Pierre potentially my favorite of all time, maybe just because of um, on uh, inside and out of the cage. You know, the first name I mentioned, I think was John Jones, um, who I think is probably, you know, one of the greatest ever. Um, But we're talking fighting, you know, I'm not talking about his out of the cage actions. But when I think about George St. Pierre, I think of someone who is a role model inside and out of the cage, which isn't necessary, but it's something I appreciate as well. And listen, I, I appreciate the the brash conor mcgregor too you know and i the smart ass sean o'malley you know i i appreciate all of it um but i hope uh yeah that should answer your question what's the first song you learned on guitar um it was probably some cheesy kindergarten melody out of like a guitar book because i started reading sheet music first which nobody reads anymore in the guitar world because we have tablature but yeah it was probably some you know child childhood little melody As you begin to read sheet music. Um, One of the first songs that really like set things off for me was Cliffs of Dover by Eric Johnson. Uh, I imagine some time had passed before I was able to hit that one because it's not an easy song to play. Um, But that was one of the first ones that comes to mind where I was like, I'm super proud to be able to play this and and know this song. When you write your songs, riffs, how do you connect them together? Any tips? So are we talking transitions? Um, well, I think first off, you shouldn't. You got to make sure that you're playing. Uh, you know, for the most part, depending on how much separation you're getting, you're gonna need to play the things in the same keys. So that's the first step. Like, um, if things are gonna clash next to each other, you don't even have enough theory to to know this. You're gonna hear it right away. You go from one part to the next, and all of a sudden, it seems sounds like a different song. Um, if you don't have theory, you might have gone into just a different key that's just not gonna work there, right? Things that are important off the bat, uh, staying in key, keeping your riffs, you you know, similar like that, also uh, tempo. So listen, Born of Osiris, and especially like in New Rain stuff, we had a million tempo changes, but I would recommend starting off with as little as possible um, just to get your song going. And then if you get your song going and you want to get tricky with the tempos, have fun. Um, But, you know, we're talking about getting things together, and I would say starting in key and in the same tempo is going to really help you get a few riffs uh, under your sleeve for that song. And then once you get a few going, now you can kind of experiment. Um, Now you want to move into some new interesting, uh, have have uh, an interlude and you're going to change into a new key and it's going to sound really cool. That's awesome. You know, you can work towards that. You want to work into a new tempo. That's awesome too, you know. But I would recommend, um, um, yeah, try initially to working in the same key and initially working in the same tempo. Um, then as far as transitions, the power that drum fills can do a lot. Let me tell you, um, sometimes I can make, if I'm writing something and I don't want, this might be a cop out and I don't rely on this, but here's, if you're having trouble, honestly, the right drum fill can really change the way one part goes into another. And I'm thankful to have one of the most creative drummers in my band, born of Osiris, um, and in motive, but it's just one of those things where, um, it can do a lot. And then sometimes I'll literally begin a transition, like a pre-chorus will build up. And so that's another way to transition into something. If you can't go from A to B, you can do like a, a a a 2.0, you know what I mean? Like take your riff, if you have your verse and your chorus and they're not going together like you want them to, put something in the middle there, maybe a lead, a build up. And now all of a sudden, you almost sound like And Now you just bridge the gap between the two parts that you couldn't connect, but now you almost made it sound on purpose, right? Because now it's like, oh, shit, we're building up this chorus now, and that chorus hits, it feels even better. Um, Again, these aren't things that I'll go to because I have no ideas only. Like, I'll do those intentionally, not because A doesn't go into B, but because I want that there. However, if you really can't get from A to B, then maybe throw that in there if you didn't come up with it already. Um, The power of a drum fill, the power of a transitional part, um, and then stick uh, stick to the same keys and tempos at least at the beginning of your song right until you get a few ideas under the belt hope that helps <clears throat> will new tabs have guitar profiles they will I think right so I don't have any of these programs these guitar pros tabits whatever you want to call them um, I have none of this um, so my buddy Alan did my infinite mind tab book I, I would have like an electric bill that was came in the mail and i would like write a guitar part on it or like a birthday card came in the mail, and i would like write a a riff on it and i would send him like my handwritten tabs on bills or you know or fucking letters or pieces of paper whatever i found that was nearby me when i came up with an idea and wanted to write it down and then sometimes he would have to come up with it by ear and i do believe he goes into guitar pro first i believe Um, i haven't seen him do it but i think he does and then from there, exports it to PDF, which become a tablature book. So to answer your question, I do believe you will have guitar profiles. Um, 90% sure. 95% sure, I would say. Write more riffs like Echo Breather, Into, and Shadow Mourn Verse. Love, Angel or Alien. Well, thanks. Intro? Oh, actually, yeah, you know, I'm glad you like those. That Shadow Morn Verse is surprisingly tricky. You're going... Uh, you're doing a little slide down, then you're going like fourth fret to first, now you're doing third fret to an open string, now you're skipping a string like seven to four, and that's like nine to five, I'm probably messing the frets up, (laughs) you'll get the tab book maybe, but um, that riff is not easy, it sounds, I mean, I don't know how it sounds to you, but it's harder than it sounds to me, (laughs) okay, so I'm glad you like it. Favorite tour you've been on? Show on that tour and why, so um. I don't remember a specific show on that tour. Actually, let's do this. My favorite tour for sure was Mayhem. That was us and Rob Zombie, Five Finger Death Punch, Children of Bodom, Machine Head, um, and, and more. And it was really fucking sick. And I'm forgetting, like, probably three incredible bands. Monomarth, I think, was on it. Um, that was my favorite tour. Watching Robbie, Rob Zombie every night was incredible. He puts on such an incredible show, um, day in, day out. and it's the same show, but I could watch it every damn night, you know, um, then I'll just say that uh, I met my wife on that tour, so I'm going to say that my favorite show, uh, on that tour was, was meeting her, we had been, like, talking around the internet, but she came to a show, and, um, and let's just say that was the best one, how about that, any plans on releasing guitar tabs for the album, yes, I have mentioned that, and they're coming, I just talked to him the other day, um, Alon, who's making the tab book and, uh, yeah, he's in the process and focusing really hard in the next couple of weeks. It was, um, you know, I wish we could have gotten him all the videos of us performing these parts earlier. Um, but we didn't. So now that he has them, he's doing the best he can to get it out as soon as possible. What string gauge do you recommend for drop C tuning on a six string guitar? So I use tens, right? But I experiment. So six string, uh, I've done 10 to, I want to say 10 to 52, I think I like, um, you know, and, but to be honest, like even on, a, if I go to a seven string sometimes and drop the whole thing, sometimes I play 11s. So it's really tough for me to to tell you. Um, but if you find like a 10, I wouldn't go 10 to 46 because that's, you're going to drop tune. And it's probably a little pushing it, but maybe 52, 56, somewhere in there I would recommend. But tens, I would say are my, usually my go-to I have been messing around with 11s lately. I like to have different strings in the studio. For, for example, if I'm going to play like something with a lot of chords, I like those 11s. Well, if I'm going to get really riffy and solo, I like the 10s. Um, on stage, I, I just rely on the 10s. Honestly, sometimes by the end of tour, I'm like so much stronger uh, at picking and p- performing these with my right hand. Sometimes it's good to sw- turn up the string gauge towards the end of a tour. Cause in the first days of tour, I'm like, my wrist will be sore from the triplets and blah, blah, blah. And, but by the end of the tour, it's just easy. And I'm like really chunking on these strings. And so, yeah, I'm going to say tens. Um, and then it's up to you whether you want to go somewhere between maybe I would say 52 or 56 even, if, but, uh, you could do, you could go 62s, you know, it's just, it's going to be your preference, but I would say let's let's start in the tens. Do you shoot AR at all? Just got one. want to know if you have any tips for a beginner. Yes. I shoot AR 15s. I have a couple, a few, um, tips. Yeah. Um, I recommend a 36 yard zero, which is a very interesting one. Um, you'll see the splits you get from zero to like 300 yards are pretty damn good. It's random. I know a lot of people do a hundred people do 50, uh, try the 36. There's a video. If you do Sean Ryan, um, uh, rifle zero, check that out. That's where I got it. I didn't make this up tips. Take a class. Um, you know, so many people, us uh, even in the last year over the pandemic and unrest. You know, or assembling AR-15s and or buying an AR-15, whatever. Um, and then they just they put it together, um, watch a YouTube video, and they think that they're uh, they're safer. Where I'm going to say this is a gun lover like uh, just initially having a gun, you might be even more in danger until you learn how to properly use the thing. So that might be common sense to you, but I'm going to say this. Take a class. A, um, you'll get better. B, it's fun. It's really fun to take these classes. Um, after that, maybe get into some fun competition. So I do like IDPA. I haven't competed with an AR-15. I've competed with pistol. Um, but even that right there, when your heart's pumping, uh, you, you 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 start to see just how uh, how accuracy falls apart under stress when your heart's pumping. Obviously, with an AR, you have three points of contact, shoulder, right hand, left hand. So the heart beating is less of a factor. When you're holding a pistol and, um, and your heart's uh, beating, like it's really easy to get your shooting will fall apart. AR-15, for that reason, is such an accurate and, and safe platform. I know everyone's vilifying it. But as far as a beginner shooting something, like an AR is the way I would say because, like I said, three points of contact, shoulder, right and left hand you have a firm grip on this thing. You put somewhere you want to go gun handguns are way more like sketchy to me when it comes to a new shooter. I don't know. Um, but yeah, um, let's see practice. That's it. Um, don't just put the AR 15 in the room and, uh, and, and baby it, throw it around, take it to the range, shoot it, take a class. Um, they're meant to be beat up and, and fucking, uh, and do it. So hopefully that helps. If you have any more specific questions, I can answer a ton of questions on AR-15, but I don't know what level of beginner you are. If I just said things that are obvious to you or if I did help you, I'm not sure. But uh, yeah, feel free to ask again next time. Have you ever written a track specifically for healing purposes other than jamming? Yeah, like all my songs, I've said this before, like um, diaries, like audio diaries for me, you know, And, and my guitar playing, especially my lead work is... Very, um, ex uh, vocal expressive, you know, I'm not doing, uh, you know, Serana where it's like the longest sweet pattern you've ever heard. Like, I like to sound like, um, um, emotional and, um, and expressive and like a vocal in a way with my guitar. And so <clears throat> for me, uh, often something that I'm doing is, is healing. Like my solo records, there's a lot of, um, not sadness, but like, there's a lot of healing and emotion going on. Even, um, even if I'm happy and I sit down and start playing guitar and recording something or saying something with my guitar, even if I'm happy, I can still heal myself even more. Like, um, there's no end to the healing as far as writing songs to me. Um, so yes, um, I would say nine times out of 10, if I'm writing a song, I'm mentally like I'm, I'm leaving that session or finishing that song mentally stronger. How do you approach personal branding and marketing as a musician? I gotta be honest, I'm I might not be the guy to ask because everyone tells me to get a TikTok, like my label's like get a TikTok, get on TikTok, that's where it's at right now. And I every time I go on that website, I fucking cringe. It's everything I see makes me not want to get a TikTok. Um, you know, I do this podcast, but before that, like I don't do a ton on Instagram, a ton on Twitter, a ton on any of that shit. I don't even. I hate Twitter nowadays too. It's just where people go to fucking complain. Um and bitch at each other and think that they're going to have an argument and convince somebody something it's just a joke. Um so I'm sorry but I I just feel like I'm probably not the best. I could tell you one thing though, be you. Um you know, in whatever you do and I think that'll translate. So even if I even if you get these podcasts once a week, I think you can see that I don't read these questions beforehand. Sometimes they surprise me, sometimes whatever. There's no editing in this podcast um, It's just, it's me, it's real, and I think there's authenticity to that that I hope people appreciate. But I can say this: ideally, I would say what you're. If if my label had it perfectly, or people, you know, in in my career, would say post on Instagram every day, Twitter every day, Facebook every day, TikTok every day, and stagger the times. That's what they tell me. But I'm like, shit. If every other day, maybe you get something from me on Twitter. I got that button that makes it go to Facebook as well, and and. And this as well, and this as well, just with clicking. That's what I do. So yeah, I'm not the best guy to ask, but um, I would say, my, social media is the way to do it. Do it every day. Stagger your posts on every single one, every single day. But that's not what I do because I, I'd rather write a song that lasts a lifetime than put time into an app that could crash tomorrow. What are the best ways to earn a sustainable living as a metal musician without touring? I've heard Twitch does well for guys. I did it at the very beginning of Twitch. The very, very, very beginning of Twitch. Like before it was like fucking cool. I was a partner immediately. And I just haven't gone back. I wonder what would happen if I would have stuck to it. But I'm just not consistently playing video games. I'll, I have pockets of times where I'll do video game. And then pockets of time. Like right now I haven't played a video game in two months probably. Um, I don't know people do songwriting on Twitch. But I got to be honest. I don't need any fucking distractions when I'm writing and, I, and I'm not putting down anyone that does that at all but I gotta imagine that those songwriting sessions would go better if they hadn't have eyes on them and interactions with people while they're trying to write a song that's just me um let's see what else lessons are big for guitar players another thing I don't really do um studio work is it for me just because I have a hand in all of our Born with Cyrus albums and my solo albums and everything I do, I'm heavily involved in the studio work. So just naturally something that I enjoy doing for money, if I need money. Um I do it to connect with people, but yeah, it's 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 probably my best income aside from um, you know, being in, in the bands that I'm in. So yeah, hope that helps. Favorite song on Angel or Alien? This week it's Oathbreaker. I think I answered this question last week and it was Shadow Morn. This week it's Oathbreaker. Really having fun with it. Been tightening it up. Um, This album was recorded like before COVID. So when I say we're tightening things up to play them live, it's because half this shit we recorded made the album and didn't fucking play for a year, right? So I'm going to say Oathbreaker today. Can you say hi, dumb guitarist when you get to Dallas? You don't have to, just asking. Oh, this guy's name is Dumb Guitarist. Uh, yeah, you mean on stage or something? I don't have a microphone, but, uh, hi, dumb guitarist here. And if you walk up to me, I'll say hi again. What's your favorite song to play live and what gives it sentimentality? Um, you know, I really had fun in the last record cycle with under the gun. I wrote that song a bunch of different times. Everyone kept on telling me it was too pop. It was too not born. And I just said, fuck it. We put it on the record and then it was, Probably the, one of the best live songs on the entire album, if not the best live song in the entire album. The second that intro kicked in, people were just jumping off their feet. And it was just fucking so exciting to see. It was so exciting. And it's just like after being told it was too poppy, write it for a different project, make it a different style, make it a solo thing, do it within Motive, do it over here, scrap it all together, just for it to be like probably the most electric, electrifying born song of the last album cycle that felt good. Last question, favorite video game. It's 100% World of Warcraft. I've played World of Warcraft, um, since the first one, since I was in high school or whatever, you know, some of the memories of earliest memories of me and Born of Osiris are playing in like internet cafes. The first, wow, World of Warcraft. Um, and to this day, I always play every expansion that comes out. I've had times where I've had to step back because I got so obsessed with it. I wasn't writing music because I love that fucking game. Um, but yeah, I also, it's like a part of my writing process. Sometimes, like I said, like if I'm in here and nothing's really coming to fruition that I'm writing, um, switching over to wow for like 30 minutes, maybe smoking a bowl. Um, I'll have wow on one screen and then like maybe YouTube on the other and I'll listen to bands I've never heard before any genre. Um, and then usually I'm pretty inspired within 30 minutes or so just the, the, the scenery in wow. The soundtrack in WoW, if I'm not listening to that, maybe something I heard on YouTube that was cool, whatever. Um, So, yeah, WoW is definitely my favorite video game. I imagine I'll play it, you know, till the end of time, right? Cool. That's all for today on the questions. It's going to wrap up with some tour dates. And how exciting is that? This month right here, coming up soon. On the 27th, Corpus Christi, Texas at House of Rock. The next day, on the 28th, we're in Austin, Texas at Come and Take It Live. The next day, 7.29, we're in Houston, Texas at Scout Bar. The following day, on the 30th, we are in San Antonio, Texas at Vibes Event Center. On the 31st, we're in Lubbock, Texas at Jake's. And on the 1st of August, we are in Dallas, Texas at Gas Monkey. And I fucking cannot wait. Guys, thanks for tuning in for another week, podcast, episode 18 um like i said it'll be two weeks before the next one because i'll be on practicing in chicago next week and the following week i'll be on tour um but right after that it's a short tour as i I just showed you um right after that i'll be back every friday um so hey thanks for being a part of this community anyone new thanks for you know stopping by as for the people who've been here most of the time i really appreciate you and uh yeah i will see you in a few weeks peace out